up to Burr and Foreman's Cybersecurity and Data Privacy Podcast. The purpose of this series is to provide a high-level overview of what businesses and industry professionals need to know about key cybersecurity and data privacy issues, with a focus on the fundamentals of the applicable laws, as well as a discussion of various trends and developments in each area. My name is India Vincent, and I'm your host for this week's episode. As a leader of Burr and Foreman's cybersecurity and data privacy team, I help my clients assess their privacy risk, develop policies and procedures to mitigate those risks, and respond to a crisis when a data incident occurs. Today, we're going to talk about the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPA. Many of you may view COPA as old news in light of the various new consumer privacy laws that have been enacted the past several years. In fact, COPA first took effect in 2000, and it was amended almost a decade ago in 2013. Having been around that long, we have a lot more guidance to rely upon when interpreting COPA than we do with other privacy laws, but there are still many nuances within this act to be aware of. Despite its relative long life, it's important not to lose sight of the specific requirements that protect personal information of children under the age of 13, even if you're already implementing other privacy policies and procedures to provide protection to personally identifiable information of the general public. Let's start with some background on COPA. The intent behind COPA was to provide protection for the privacy of children under 13 years of age by giving their parents and guardians certain tools to control how their child's information can and cannot be used. In providing parents with those tools, the Act imposes certain requirements on operators of websites or online services that are directed to children under the age of 13 or that knowingly collect information about children under the age of 13. With that broad purpose statement, there are naturally certain questions that arise for businesses operating these websites and online services. Do I have to comply with the requirements of COPA? If so, what do I have to do to comply? And how do I know if my efforts are sufficient? Today, we're going to delve into these key questions and hopefully improve your working knowledge of your obligations under COPA. We'll start with the question that always comes first in assessing these obligations. Do I have to comply? Stated simply, COPA applies to those who operate websites or offer online services that are directed to children under 13 or that knowingly collect personal information from children under 13. To determine whether you fall into that category, consider these questions. Is your website or are the online services you offer directed to children under 13? If so, do you directly collect personal information from those children or allow others to collect information from those children? If your website or online services are directed to a general audience, do you have actual knowledge that you collect personal information from children under 13? Or if you run an ad network or other plug-in service for others, do you know that you collect personal information from users of a website or service directed to children under 13? If you answer yes to any of these questions, you likely have obligations under COPA, but let's dig a little deeper 
and review a few of the key definitions in the Act. Central to this debate is whether or not you are operating a website or online service. While operation of a website is fairly straightforward, do you know what it means to operate an online service? Most of us probably have some idea of what that should mean, but likely there are many different interpretations of that term. The Act provides some examples of online services to guide us. Mobile applications that send or receive information online are online services, and that's pretty broad. It can include things such as social networking apps, behaviorally targeted ads, or network-connected games. Online services also includes internet-enabled gaming platforms, advertising networks, particularly if the ads target children, internet-enabled location-based services, voice over IP, and Internet of Things devices, particularly of those devices or toys. So, if you find yourself providing a website or an online service, then you have to decide if it is directed to children under 13. Like many things, there's not a clear yes or no test for this one either. If you're providing children's storybooks, coloring pages, or other items intended to engage children, then you're almost certainly directing that site two children under 13. You move into a gray area if you're a general purpose website or service, but have advertisers on your site who direct their advertisements and products to children under 13. At that point, at least portions of your website are likely directed to children under 13. If you have a more general purpose website, you may still need to look at a variety of factors to determine if any portion of your website could be considered directed to children under 13. And those factors include the subject matter of the site or service, as we've already discussed, whether and what type of visual or audio content you provide. Do you use animated characters or other child-oriented activities or incentives? The age of the models appearing on your site, meaning that if you use children as models, the site or service is more likely to be directed to children. Continuing that train of thought, the presence of child celebrities or celebrities intending to appeal to kids make it more likely that it is directed to children under 13. Again, advertisements directed to children make the site or service more likely directed to, to children under 13. And if there's any other reliable evidence about the age of the actual or intended audience of your site or service, it can indicate that your site is directed to children under the age of 13, even if you didn't intend it to be. As these factors illustrate, being directed to children under 13 can be an unintended trap. If you have a general purpose site, but it still qualifies as directed to children under 13, intentionally or otherwise, you can choose to apply COPA protections only to users under age 13. But if you take that approach, you have to implement precautions to ensure that you are not collecting information from any users without collecting information on each user's age. So if you've made it this far, and determine that your website or service is not directed to children under 13, you're not off the hook yet. 
you still have to consider whether or not you have actual knowledge of collecting information about those children. Actual knowledge, like some other things, seems very straightforward. And while there's not a definition of actual knowledge in COPA, the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, has said that one has actual knowledge of a user's age if the website or service asks for and receives information from the user that allows the operator to determine the person's age. One example that we see frequently triggering actual knowledge is asking the user as part of a registration requirement to enter their date of birth on the site. If the user provides the date of birth, the operator of that page has actual knowledge of personal information of the child under 13, if the date suggests the user is under 13. That example is relatively straightforward, but what if the service instead asks, what grade are you in in school? Or which school do you attend? Where the answer options are elementary school, middle school, high school, or college. In those cases, even though it may not disclose the actual age of the user, it can indicate that the user is under 13 and can constitute actual knowledge of collecting information from the child. With that background on whether or not your website or service is directed to children under 13 and whether or not you have actual knowledge of collection that would trigger the COPA requirements, the next step is to focus on whether or not you are collecting personal information from those children. When you're discussing general privacy laws, each state provides its own definition for what constitutes personal information of any individual for purposes of those data protection requirements. But if you're discussing personal information of a child under 13, COPA broadens that definition quite a bit. It includes the child's full name, the child's home or other physical address, online contact information for the child such as an email address, social media identifier, an IM or VoIP identifier, or a video chat identifier. Similarly, screen names or usernames that focus as online contact information, such as in a video game, are personal information. A child's telephone number or social security number, or any persistent identifier used to recognize the child over time and between different internet sites. Those examples can include cookies, IP addresses, or device serial numbers or other identifiers. Photos, videos, or audio files containing the child's image or voice are personal information. The child's location, if it is sufficient to identify a street name and city or town, is personal information. And any other information about the child or parent collected from the child and is combined with one of these other identifiers is personal information. So this is quite a broad definition of personal information as it applies to children under 13. The next step is to determine whether or not you're collecting that information. Again, this sounds straightforward. If you collect something, somebody's provided it to you and you hold on to it. That doesn't sound terribly difficult, does it? Well, under COPA, you're collecting information if you request, prompt, or encourage the submission of information, even if providing the information is optional. 
So encouraging the child to provide information that falls into one of these categories constitutes collecting it, even if it's not actually received. You're collecting information if you let the information be made publicly available, such as allowing a social media post to be posted, or if you passively track the child online. If a review of all of these definitions and requirements we've covered places you in the category of needing to comply with COPA, your next question is likely, what do I have to do? At a high level, COPA requires the operator of these websites or services to take the following measures. Notify parents of your company's information practices. Obtain verifiable parental consent for the collection, use, or disclosure of the child's personal information. Allow parents to prevent further maintenance or use or future collection of their child's personal information. Provide parents access to the personal information you have collected about their child. Collect only the minimal amount of information reasonably necessary for the child to participate in the requested activity or for you to provide the requested service. And maintain reasonable procedures to protect the confidentiality, security, and integrity of the child's personal information. There are many ways to meet the letter of these requirements. But if you want to be certain you're meeting the requirements, it's often beneficial to follow a method that has been previously approved, and we will touch on certain safe harbor offerings that are available shortly. Out of these core compliance obligations, we're going to focus on just a few of them, starting with the requirement to notify parents of your privacy policies. Most often, this is done by posting a privacy policy but there are specific requirements a privacy policy has to meet in order to comply with COPA. There are many reasons companies may have to post privacy policies, and you can provide one policy that addresses all of these obligations as long as you make sure COPA requirements are included. All privacy policies should be clear and comprehensive, and in the case of COPA, they have to specifically explain when and how personal information is collected online from children under 13, and what you do with that information after you collect it. The policy should describe your practices, but it must also describe how anyone else who collects information from your website or through your service handles that information. If you don't know how third-party organizations you engage as service providers are handling that information, now is the time to find out and document the service provider's commitment to appropriate privacy practices. Most privacy policies are disseminated by making the policy available on the web page or through the service. COPA goes further than some other requirements and states that you have to have a link to the privacy policy on your home page as well as on any page of the website or within the service where information about children is collected. While everyone has a tendency to identify those links in small print at the bottom of the page, and in fact, if you check various websites that appears to be the most common practice today, COPA actually requires that these links be clear and prominent. Specifically, it requires that the links should be highlighted by appearing in a larger font, different color, or with a contrasting background or some other manner to make them easily identifiable and distinguishable from other links on your page. 
The requirements for content in your privacy policy include having a list of all persons or entities that are collecting personal information through your website or service. You have to identify each of those individuals or businesses and provide a contact point for parents to ask questions. You can either have a contact person for each of the different persons or entities collecting information or one contact point intended to collect questions for all the different entities collecting the personal information. When you are providing that contact point, you have to identify an address, telephone number, and email address for the contact. And that goes beyond some requirements in other areas that do not require that variety of contact methods. The privacy policy must also contain a description of the personal information being collected and how it's used, including describing the types of personal information, such as a name, address, email address, hobbies, how the personal information is collected, whether it is directly from the child or passively, such as through cookies, how the information will be used, such as whether you are marketing to the child, notifying the child of information they've requested, notifying the child of a prize won or a benefit earned, and whether you disclose the personal information to third parties. If you do, again, you must list the types of businesses to whom you disclose and how they use the information. The privacy policy must include a description of the rights parents are granted under COPA, telling the parents that you won't require the child to disclose more information than necessary, that the parents or guardians can review the information you have collected, they can ask you to delete it, and they can refuse to allow further collection or use of their child's information. The parents or guardians can agree to the collection and use of their child's information, but still not allow disclosure to third parties unless that's required for the service. And your policy needs to tell them the procedures they must follow to exercise those rights. If you're going to collect information about children under 13, COPA requires you to directly notify the parents before collecting such information. You also have to send updated direct notices each time you change your policies or procedures. That notice has to be simple and straightforward, and it cannot include any extraneous information. Specifically, your notice should tell parents that you collected the parents' information online, typically you're collecting it from the child, for purposes of obtaining consent to collect information about that child, that you want to collect information about their child, and that their consent is required for the collection, use, and disclosure of that information. The notice must identify the information you will collect, disclose how you might share it, include a link to your privacy policy, and explain how the parents can express that consent. You must also tell the parents that if they do not respond to this notice, you will delete the parent's contact information and will not collect any information on the child. There are some limited exceptions where you can collect certain limited information without parental consent, but the details of those exceptions are a bit beyond the scope of this session. If you want to pursue one of those exceptions, consult with your legal counsel to make sure you comply with all the requirements of each exception. 
If you have to obtain consent from the parent, remember that the consent has to be verifiable, meaning you have to confirm that it is the parent or guardian providing the consent to the extent possible. This is an issue that receives a lot of attention when setting up a system that will collect information about children under 13. Because while they may be under 13, children are very creative in finding ways to get access to games, websites, or other services that their friends are using. Even though COPA does not require a particular method to verify the consent, your method has to be reasonably certain to be accurate in light of the technology available to you. There are some methods that have been determined to be verifiable, including have a parent sign a consent form and send it back to you via fax, mail, or electronic scan. Use a credit card, debit card, or other online payment system that provides notification of each separate transaction to the account holder. Have the parent call a toll-free number staffed by trained personnel who will verify the parent or guardian's identity. Have the parent connect to trained personnel via a video conference. Have the parent or guardian provide a copy of a form of government-issued ID that you check against a database, but make sure you delete that identification from your records after verifying their identity. Have the parent or guardian issue a series of knowledge-based challenge questions that would be difficult for someone other than the parent or guardian to answer, or verify a picture of the driver's license or other photo ID that the parent submits against a photo captured by facial recognition technology, typically in real time. One exception to the verifiable consent requirement that is worth noting is that if you are only using the child's personal information for internal purposes, meaning you won't disclose it to anyone for any reason, you have the option of using an email plus verification system. Under that method, you send an email to the parent or guardian and have them respond with their consent. Then you have to send confirmation to the parent via email, letter, or phone call. Your verification and confirmation do have to let the parent know that they can revoke their consent at any time. Once you have the verified consent, you also have to provide parents and guardians with the ability to exercise those additional rights provided to them under COPA. These are similar to rights provided to consumers under the various consumer privacy laws, and they include the right to review the information you have collected from their child, to revoke their consent and refuse to allow you to continue using their child's information, and require you to delete the child's information. Just as you did when you obtained the original verifiable consent, before you disclose any information to someone purporting to be a parent or guardian, you must confirm their identity. Oftentimes, this is managed by providing each parent or guardian with a PIN number or passcode after the first verification of their identity. After that, you can rely on presentation of that credential to verify any request going forward. If someone refuses to provide consent, or if you're providing services to a child and the parent revokes consent, you cannot stop providing services to the child just because consent was revoked unless the information is required to provide the services. 
this requirement is similar to what you see in general privacy statutes saying you cannot discriminate against someone for exercising their privacy rights. Just as you would with any personally identifiable information in your care, COPA requires you to make sure the security of the personal information of the children is properly protected. This includes collecting only the information that you need, releasing it only to service providers who have demonstrated they are capable of meeting their obligations to protect the information and who have entered into contracts with you agreeing to exercise that caution, and securely deleting the data when you no longer have a legitimate reason to retain it. If you want to be sure that you are meeting your compliance obligations, you should look into one of the COPA Safe Harbor programs. An industry group or other entity may submit a self-regulatory guideline and request the FTC's approval. The FTC must then publish the request for public comment and has 180 days to make a written determination. While you can pursue your own Safe Harbor guidelines, it is usually easier to take advantage of a previously approved program. You can find the pre-approved Safe Harbor guidelines online at the COPA Safe Harbor Program portion of the FTC's Business Center website. Finally, many of you may be wondering what happens if you fail to comply with these requirements, and the penalties can be significant, reaching up to $45,000 per violation. Recently, there have been penalties well into the millions of dollars, and those penalties are continuing to increase. This makes compliance with COPA well worth expending resources on to ensure that you do not suffer the penalties. Now that we have completed this high-level overview of COPA, I hope this information has either left you with the comfort that you're meeting your compliance obligations or has allowed you to generate a list of questions for you to investigate to see what might need to change. Keep in mind, there are a lot of nuances within COPA, and when in doubt, this is an area where you should seek experienced counsel to assist you in assessing your compliance standpoint. If your business needs assistance navigating COPA, please visit our website at www.burrcyber.com B-U-R-R-C-Y-B-E-R.com For more information on vital cybersecurity and data privacy issues, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We hope you tune in next time for Burr's Cybersecurity and Data Privacy Podcast.